0: You're listening to the hockey podcast network, new
1: shows every day. Find us at the hockey or wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: Welcome to your Canadian's connection on rocket sports radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens, with Amy Johnson and Chris G, Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadiens,
2: All right, hi everybody, welcome to the Canadian's Connection podcast. Today is episode 159 here on the Rocket Sports Radio. And well, thank you for choosing the Canadian's Connection to keep you informed, engaged, and uh, entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'll be your host today. Today's episode 159, like I mentioned earlier, and we are Saturday, October 16th. And I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, The editor in chief and the founder, the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. How doing, Rick?
1: Doing great, Chris. Uh, Good to have you back in the hosting chair. And um, you were back in Plas Bell last night uh, for Laval Rocket versus the Belleville um, Senators. And uh, you were you were in the press box in Ottawa for a preseason game. But how did it feel to be back at uh, Plas Bell last night?
2: It felt good being back. and it was it felt normal. it was there was a lot of people, like um, last season, I had a chance to attend a couple of games at the Bell Center in front of no crowds, and that was different. But uh, last night at Plus Bell, it felt great. A lot of people, a lot of noise. They were excited. they They got a good result as well with uh, the rocket winning six, six two. And besides wearing a mask for the entire time that I was in there, it was uh, just like before the, the whole pandemic began. So it was great to be back in the building.
1: 8,600 uh, fans there last night uh, in Place Bell, So uh, an exciting atmosphere for sure. And, and uh, we'll be talking about the Canadiens' home opener when uh, it will be open to full capacity uh, later tonight.
2: Yeah, it, it will be, as the Canadians will be hosting the, the New York Rangers. Uh, uh, ceremonies are scheduled to begin at around 7 p.m., so puck drop will be 15 to 20 minutes uh, after after then. But also coming up on today's uh, podcast, we're going to talk about some Canadians' roster moves, including some contracts that were that were signed. We're going to get back and talk about the, the Rocket home opener that took place last night at the uh, Place Bell. And in our big segment, our big topic segment, we're going to do something that I always enjoy doing is making predictions because I'm always so good at them. <laughs> so if you have a couple of bucks on the sides and well you want to you bet some, you know, listen to my picks in the second segment and I'll guarantee you success. Perfect. So this is what we need to this is where we need a disclaimer, also, to uh, <laughs> not actually put me liable for any win- for any losings That's winnings. Right. Yeah, I, I'm expecting my cut. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Canadians started off the season with uh, two games this week. It started off on Wednesday night in Toronto with the Leafs uh, victorious, two to one over the Montreal Canadiens. And while the good news story for the Montreal Canadiens in that game was that uh, Jonathan Drouin in his first regular season. Game back, he scored. He opened the scoring for the Canadians, and he was the only goal scorer. And well, that was a, a good moment. But after that, it went all downhill from there for the Canadians. C- special teams all for the Canadians that night on the power play, including a five-one-three for one minute and forty-four seconds, which didn't look uh, good for the Habs that night. And then the following night. On Thursday, Canadiens headed to Buffalo in what, well, everybody was expecting this to be an easy win. It was an easy win for the Buffalo Sabres as they came out victorious, 5-1, to one. and this game was ugly from beginning to the end. There wasn't many positives following the game in Buffalo. Even when Dominic Ducharme was asked after the game, uh, what are, is there anything positive you could take from this game? And he said, no, if you want, you go find one. Like He didn't have anything uh, positive to come out from that game. Chris Weidman was the only goal scorer for the Habs that night. And then once again, special teams was the story in that matchup. Canadians all 4 4 on a power play once again. And on the penalty kill, while well, the Sabres scored three power play goals on the, the Canadians. To give the Canadians a in 2 record, two games into the regular season, and well, if you want complete post-game reviews of the games and comprehensive previews, don't forget to check out uh, allhabs.net to uh, to check that out. So book the bookmark that page to get the complete coverage. But back to the games, Rick. You, you know we always say that preseason isn't important. You know like those games don't count; they don't matter, et cetera. But the start of the Canadian season in the first two games, it seemed to be a continuation of of the preseason.
1: That's absolutely right. The Canadian, if you count the preseason record, the Canadians are now two and six uh, out of the gate, and and yeah, the the preseason doesn't uh, the points don't matter, uh, but the way the team plays, I think, does matter. And and there's kind of been a continuation uh and a similar kind of play uh, that we saw in the preseason in the preseason in all but one game uh five on five the the uh, the Canadians were dominated in shot attempts um, and and that's continued in uh, in the two regular season games that that we saw uh, particularly against Buffalo they weren't generating um, many high danger scoring opportunities. And um, and and this is kind of odd. From uh, you know this this uh, we expected that there would be uh, a lot of offense, and maybe the the, the Canadians' uh, trouble would be on defense, uh, and and that they would be left to kind of outscore their the mistakes that they made on defense. But the two goals in the first two games uh, total, um, there's uh, they're not generating a lot of offense either. Uh, so, uh, a, a, a curious start and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, difficult start, uh, out of the gate. And as you said, Dom Descharmes didn't have uh, much good to say. And in fact, he was kind of uh, critical of the players saying that, uh, maybe they were reading their own press clippings over the summer and, and, uh, uh, got big heads because they were told how wonderful they were for making it to the Stanley cup final.
2: And when you and when you talk about the the goal scored by the Canadians, it came from unlikely sources. Also, mm-hmm. it came from Jonathan Drouin, like not somebody who's expected to be like a like a top sc- uh, scorer on the team. Like he's more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. And it came from uh, Chris Weidman, who's EI yeah, is an offensive defenseman. But it's where is the scoring coming from from anybody else yeah. on uh, on the team? So. So not a good start for uh, for the Canadians. So a must Let's win, pick... almost a must win for the Canadians
1: in Game Three. In Game Three at home, uh, which sounds crazy, but uh, you know there's there's some uh, there's some uh, stats out there. You've probably seen them that teams that start the season 0 and three have a very small uh, in the past have a very small chance of making the playoffs. So uh, very important game uh, with uh, a Bell Center crowd behind them tonight against the Rangers.
2: Is it uh, too soon to look at the uh, sports club stats for the chance of making the playoffs <laughs> for the Canadians? Maybe a little bit. Okay, well, just in case, if you're wondering, the Canadians right now stand at 29.8% chance of making the playoffs. All right. As we speak. So uh, so it's not looking good. We're <laughs> only two games in. It's crazy. But anyways. All right. Let's move on to some uh, roster news. Uh the the big story out of well one of the the key stories coming out of a training camp was the, the Canadians' injury list kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger as the days went on. So lots of changes happened to that list over the, uh, the 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 last couple of days, even the last couple of hours. So Mike Hoffman, he was on the ice for the practice for the first time with his teammates uh, today. Uh, he won't be in the lineup against the Rangers but he may be back on a Tuesday or Thursday of uh, next week. The power uh, play needs Joel him, Ed- obviously. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 do need him. Joel Edmondson, you know, he's still out for what, like another two weeks, but they've been telling this, this since the start of the, of the season. And while well, the defense needs uh, Joel Edmondson as well, uh, Sammy Nico, he was out with a, a concussion, but uh, Dominic Dromm said on Saturday morning that he's been cleared to play, but won't play against the the Rangers. Uh, we also have Paul Byron, who is on the long-term uh, IR, so he's still scheduled to return, you know, end of December, but he started skating uh, as well, and Matthias Norlander, who who's been away. Uh, injured, undetermined what the injury is, but he he started skating uh, as well this morning. Uh, there's still no precise timeline on um, on when he'll um, when he'll be back with the Canadians. We have um, some news regarding Shea Weber and the long term. Injury status of him, because even before training camp started, you know there was talks on that maybe how the league will be would be checking the situation out because of you know Shea Weber was there played up to the last game, of the Stanley Cup Finals, and then uh, you know I guess suddenly uh, if his career is potentially over is what the, the news said, but the Canadians did present uh, the a long term. Injury letter to the National League on Wednesday and and Rick Bill Daly said that for now the the league is okay with Sasha uh, Weber going to that uh, status. The interesting part of the the
1: statement, and this, this statement from Bill Daly was uh, pretty short, uh, but the interesting word, there was one word in his statement that I found interesting. Uh, the statement according to Pierre Lebrun was... We are not currently challenging that Shea Weber satisfies the CBA requirements necessary to qualify for uh, long-term injury relief. Um, the The word in there is currently, uh, so this is something that it sounds like the league is going to be reevaluating on an ongoing basis uh, because there has been some questions and questions from other teams. About Shea Weber, how can it be that he played uh, 25 minutes a game in the playoffs and then is just unavailable now? And and but Pierre LeBrun said that that relates more to uh, the injuries, the multiple injuries that he had, and and said that it was, um, you know, it was just miraculous that he was able to play at all and and play during the 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 playoffs with incredible pain uh, throughout. Um, and so he said that the NHL will continue to do its due diligence. I know that some fans have said, you know, maybe this is a Kucherov uh, situ- situation and, um, and they'll be back for the, the playoffs if the Canadians qualify. Um, Pierre Lebrun said, uh, that's very, very unlikely to happen. He sees it more as a, a Brent Seabrook, uh, kind of situation than, uh, than a Kucherov situation. Um, and, and he added, Pierre Lebrun did, and I'll quote him here. I don't think we're seeing Shea Weber ever play again. So, uh, that's, that's tough to hear for, uh, Montreal Canadiens fans.
2: It is. It is for sure, and and the Canadians and the fans just slowly are going to have to start preparing with life without Shea Weber. Sounds like it, but hopefully, you know, hopefully not. But uh, you know, let's just hope. Number one thing that's important here is the health of uh, of the human of, of Shea Weber himself, like the human being, like all of us. So, so we'll see if there's any developments on uh, on on that part in the weeks or months to come. Another Russian news on Monday. The Montreal Canadiens placed a claim, and well, they picked up Adam Brooks off waivers from the uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. And well, Rick Adam Brooks, he he doesn't have much NHL experience. has spent most of his time in the AHL, but at least for now on the roster, he's the, the number thirteen forward. It seems to be like a a, a spare part uh, down uh, down the middle.
1: And as we understand, uh, he's a player that the, Cana- that the Toronto Maple Leafs um, were reluctant to put on waivers. There was kind of a choice between two. They, they uh, had to uh, send uh, uh, Brooks, and, and the Canadians took the opportunity to, to claim him. Adam Brooks is, um, is 25 years old um, and uh, was a, an offensive center in, uh, in the WHL. Uh, two seasons with Regina Pats, 120 points and 130 points in his uh, final junior le- year, but hasn't been able to replicate that. Um, as you said, 164 games at the AHL level, just 18 in the NHL level. So uh, we'll see if we'll see if he gets into the lineup uh, or whether uh, he'll later in the the season help out the Laval Rocket.
2: And in order to complete the 23-man roster that the Canadians had to, well, not just the Canadians, that the teams had to submit on Monday by 5 p.m. Eastern, while the Canadians cut uh, Caden Primo, they assigned him to the the Laval Rocket, and they also assigned Caden Gooley to the Prince Albert Raiders in the uh, Western uh, Hockey League. And that's what rounded off the uh, 23-man roster for the Canadians to start uh, the season as well. Uh, Both Caden's. both Cadence. <laughs> I'd spell differently, yeah, but... Sp- Spelled <laughs> differently, exactly.
1: But both Cadence. Caden Gooley um, with Prince Albert has already played two games, uh, has two assists to start the season, six penalty minutes in those two games with uh, Prince Albert. And uh, you had the opportunity to see Caden Primo in action last night in Laval.
2: Yeah, I did. And he, and he, had, uh, he played well. It made a spectacular save in the, the second period. Uh, stopped uh, a hard shot. Yeah, the name of the player now I can't remember, but it was right from the slot. He was all in front of Primo, and Primo made the big glove save. And, and maybe just to add to Guli, he he got a C on his jersey, right? I think That's in Prince right. Albert as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so he'll be able to. He's gonna be a leader for his uh, team in, uh, in Prince Albert as well. Uh, and and then after the 23-man roster was submitted, uh, the Canadians the following day sent Ryan Paling down to the Laval, uh, to, to the Laval Rocket. We're going to talk about Ryan Paling because he had a chance to play last night at uh, Place Bell in uh, Laval. So we'll we'll talk about him. We had we have some good clips also from uh, from the coach Jean-François Sooul that uh, I spoke to after the game. We'll get to that in uh, in a couple of moments and if we move on now to the next roster move from earlier this week Canadians signed nick suzuki to an eight-year contract extension uh for a total of 63 million dollars which represents uh on a, a cap hit of 7.875 million so this happened on tuesday and this is the largest contract the Canadians have given in history to a to a forward for Nick Suzuki. And, and there's one thing that I found weird was that when Nick Suzuki met the media, like Brejven wasn't there, Molson wasn't there, nobody was there. It's just, they just threw Nick Suzuki out there. But, you know, we could blame COVID for that. Like the Canadians seem to blame everything for when it comes to communication but let's let's talk about that deal first uh, Rick uh, for Nick Suzuki eight years 63 million uh, I could go first I to be honest I was a little bit surprised of uh, of the contract of the announcement when it was sent um, mostly on the on the term is what surprised me that I wasn't expecting I was expecting more something between four to six years that the deal would have happened. The AEV, I think it's good. It might be an overpayment in the first uh, couple of years, but if he keeps progressing the way that he's doing, it might end up being a uh, bargain for the final, uh, final years of the deal. So... So what are your thoughts on that, Rick?
1: No, I, I agree with you that uh, I think it was Ben Danku in our, um, our Rocket Sports Slack group said that it's a number that uh, Suzuki will grow into. And, and and I think that's a good way to, to look at it. Uh, eight years, uh, you want to lock up your, your prime prospect, especially if he... We remember that uh, Mark Bergevin said uh, in the summertime that Nick Suzuki would be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens. So, if you're expecting point production, if you're expecting him to man your first line, if you're expecting him to be a leader on the team, so you you uh, lock him in for eight years, and um, that also buys up some of uh, the free agent years as well. Uh, so, as you said, um, if if Suzuki continues on the trajectory that he's on. Uh, by the, the, the last few years of this contract, it's, it's going to look like a bargain. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it was well done. And, and uh, uh, for me, too, it was very curious. And it, the interesting thing is we had, we had two uh, big contracts signed uh, this, this week, uh, Nick Suzuki with the Canadians and finally Brady Kachuk with um, uh, the Ottawa Senators for a little bit less at 57 million. Uh, but there was Pierre Dorian, you know, smiling and beaming and, and, uh, uh, speaking to the media, um, uh, at, uh, and, and trying to control his emotions cause it was such a big day for the senators. And on the Canadian side, as you said, no Molson, uh, no, uh, Mark Bergevin and, uh, there was just a statement and and the statement was, "We are very happy to secure the services of Nick for the next eight seasons, said Mark Bergevin in a statement in the press release. and if you if you know how these things work, uh, the, Mark Bergevin didn't actually say that. Uh, that's just <laughs> what the the media people put together. Here's something that's appropriate and 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 we'll put it in as a quote for Martin. I, I mean, sorry, i'm 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 opening the curtain here, but that's how it works. Uh, so for such an important announcement uh, for Bergevin and and uh, and Molson not to be there, um, it's, it's still, and, and maybe we'll talk to that that in the, the second segment about Bergevin status, but it's really, really, really odd.
2: And, and, but Nick Suzuki was there and let's hear what uh, his thoughts on signing an extension.
3: Yeah. Um, it's something both sides wanted. Um, I love the city of Montreal, I love playing, Uh, I love being a Canadian and uh, to do that for hopefully the next nine years is uh, something I'm really looking forward to and um, yeah, it's uh, huge for me and my family and uh, we're really happy that uh, it all worked out.
1: Said the right things, he talked about it being that he loves the city, um, he loves the team uh, and he loves his family and it's important for them Mm -hmm. so he covered all the bases there.
2: Uh, and and Nick Suzuki, like even when when Claude Julien was the, the coach of the Canadians, like since he joined the the organization and and you know he put on the Canadian jersey, he's had a lot of responsibilities. Like even we even see it this season. Like he he plays on the top line, he plays on the power play, he pa- he plays on the on a penalty kill as well. So so they show a lot of confidence in uh, in Nick Suzuki, and uh, and uh, he spoke about that as well.
3: Yeah, it feels uh, feels great um, just to know that uh, they're committed to me from Jeff uh, to Mark to the coaching staff. Um, they believe in me and the player, and uh, I want to prove them prove them right. And uh, I think I can be a good part of this team and uh, help the team win for uh, as long as I can.
1: So Jeff, Jeff Molson, uh, Mark Bergevin—they weren't there, but um, um, Nick Suzuki, enough of a leader to know that he's going to speak for them and talk about how they are showing confidence in him uh, by by the numbers, by the 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 value of the contract, and by the the length of the term.
2: Yeah, so it's so it's a it's a great contract, like. If I had a, if I was signing an eight-year deal for a total of sixty-three million, I'd be okay to speak for uh, for Molson and Bergeron <laughs> as well. <laughs> Let's uh, we have you can speak clip for me of, when,
1: when we sign you to to uh, uh sixty-three million. I won't be at that news conference, but
2: as long as the check doesn't bounce, I'm good with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is we have one more clip from uh, Nick Suzuki where he's talking about uh, uh, again uh, confidence.
3: I feel like I know who i am as a player i feel like i know what i can bring and i feel like i can help the team win in in any situation uh whether scoring or defensively so um kind of my confidence just comes from my play on the ice um i think i just know the game pretty well um with my mental side Uh, but off the ice like i am pretty pretty quiet but uh, i just want to stay humble uh, and keep working hard
1: a lot of humility there, and and uh, so Nick Suzuki may not be a natural leader, um, but he's the kind of leader that he gets confidence from the way he plays. And he said whether offensively or defensively, but the team can get confidence in that same way uh, for the way he uh, performs on the ice.
2: So, and uh, Nick Suzuki also spoke about uh, the timeline of of how the the negotiations happened. And essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is how I I, realize, I understand what happened, is the Canadians and Nick Suzuki were close to signing a deal, like they were dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So then when they saw they were at that point, Canadians called the league to snitch on the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> about the 46 preseason, and then they, they signed the deal and they announced it. I've so that's that. how that's how the timeline went. <laughs> All right, let's move on right here and talk about uh, the the priorities. Let's talk about uh, some Canadian prospects, the Rocket Report. This
0: edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network.
2: The Leval Rocket played their first regular season game uh, on uh, Friday at Place Bell in front of 8,609 fans, and um, I, the place was loud. The crowd was was roaring. The cl- crowd was cheering. I posted some videos on uh, on my Twitter account at uh, ChrisOps36. If you wanna take a look at it, but just don't judge me on the quality of the recording. There's a reason why it's Ben and Amy. that are taking care of the videos, and not uh, <laughs> not myself, because they do a lot better job on it. Uh, so the Rockets, uh, they 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 had a slow start. The first half of the period, it was uh, Belleville who who controlled the play. It was seven nothing on shots on goal, and and then the, the things just turned turned around. Uh, the players after, and jean Soul said after the game that they, they felt that they were nervous start of the game but then with thanks to the crowd as well the the momentum changed they went into uh their direction and they ended up winning by a score of six to two six different goal scorers for the uh the laval uh laval rocket and they're facing again the belleville senators uh, tonight at uh, seven o'clock uh, eastern uh, in the player introductions before before the game at Place Bell, uh, we found out who the, the leadership group of the Laval Rocket. So Xavier Wallet, he was named uh, the captain. So he's he remains the captain. He's been there for last two and a half years. And wearing a knee would be uh, Ryan Paling, Gabriel Bourque, uh, Corey Schuneman, and uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard. So it's it's a leadership group that will be rotating four DAs and obviously maybe with call-ups or injuries, you know, that uh, the the rotation will, will fluctuate uh, uh, between the the group of four players. And after the game, I asked Jean-François Houl to explain why he decided to give Ryan Pelling the, the letter.
4: Yeah, I, I think Ryan is there in his career. He, it's time for him to be a leader He's, uh, he was leading scorer of this team last year. Uh, he's played in this league for two and a half years. He's proven that he can play very hard at this, uh, at this level. He's well-liked in the, in the locker room. And sometimes, uh, you know, those players can bring other players with them and, and bring him to the next level. And, uh, and he speaks English as well, which for me is very, very important to have both French and English leadership in the locker room. And uh, Ryan fit the bill for that. Uh, in the locker room, and sometimes uh, you know those players can bring other players with them and, and bring them to the next level.
1: Jean-Presse, well, we'll want to make that point again. I uh, said it uh, twice. know <laughs> we just had a loop there with our, our audio, but um, really important uh, things that uh, the head coach said about uh, Ryan Paling um, about that it's it's uh, he can be a leader. Uh, and it's time to take a leadership role. Um, one, he was uh, the leading scorer uh, on the ice uh, for the Laval Rocket last uh, season. Uh, he's, uh, he's a proven um, power forward kind of player uh, that he's well respected in the dressing room. And uh, he's able to carry people along with, with his play, is able to bring people along to, to play better. And we know that's what a, a, what a, a leader can do. A uh, really uh, interesting comment there about uh, you noticed uh, the, the, the leadership core that, uh, that he has, of course, uh, Xavier Ouellette. Uh, uh, from a, from a francophone perspective, but then the, there's an even split between the uh, the uh, assistants um, with Raphael Harvey Penard and Gabriel Bork on the on the French side, and uh, Corey Schooneman and Ryan Paling on the English side. and And he spoke about how important it is for a team like Laval to have both um, languages represented. Uh, In the dressing room. And and we know um, this goes back to uh, something that that we talked about on the press zone uh, that um, uh, Jeff was talked about how it was a good problem to have to have all these uh, Quebecers uh, on the team, but that they had to kind of rein it back, tone it back and remind everybody that on the ice, uh, in hockey, in the AHL, in the NHL, the language, no matter where you come from, Europe or, or wherever it is, the language is, is English, so that, that English is important, uh, and being in a, a Quebec team, French is important. So um, I, I, a really smart move by Oul uh, uh, there to, to make sure that both are represented in their leadership group.
2: And Ryan Peeling, would have you know, he could have had good reason not to be happy to be back in, in Laval, but that's not like the, the attitude that he's taken. Going back to Laval. He's been he's been very he's been positive, he's been good, uh, he's been a good teammate, he's been a good leader, and even his performance on the ice last night was he was very good. He he was also being used by by Coach Rule on a top line he was playing the line with uh, Jesse Elonon to his right and Rafael Harvey to his left he was used on the number one power play unit he was always first on the ice uh, on on the penalty kill as well and Laval did get a lot of penalties yesterday so he did get ample of uh, PK time as well and he was really good at uh, the face off circle as well and while well, Jean-François all spoke about uh, his thoughts on the way Ryan Penning played last night
4: really good i thought he started a little slow but as the game went on he won a, a, a lot of face-offs I, I think he's only lost two uh, two face-offs all game he was a man out there and uh really proud of him I, and he scored a nice goal he's big he uh he's, he plays a power forward type of game and uh really proud of him tonight he's, he played hard
1: that he played hard and uh, and and played uh, a power forward game. Also mentioned uh, the faceoffs and um, that uh, we saw that that Ryan Paling was uh, for training camp. Uh, in the five exhibition games, uh, he was great on the faceoffs and actually led all Canadian centers uh, in faceoff uh, winning percentage uh, over that exhibition season and and uh, something that he focused on. Uh, Over the course of the the summer and uh, obviously has uh, in making it a priority, he's gotten uh, much, much better on it. So uh, a lot of positive things there um, from from the, the brand new head coach of the Laval Rocket.
2: And you can listen to the entire audio of Jean-François i I spoke to uh, JC Baudet, Danik Martel, and uh, Michael uh, Pizzetta as well from last night's game. And there will also be complete coverage of tonight's rematch between the two teams in uh, Belleville. The game starts at uh, 7. So you can do that on ahl.report. And also don't forget to listen and subscribe to uh, the press zone uh, Montreal, where Rick, uh, yourself, and Amy, this past week, you had a special guest. It was Jeff Hool,
1: and we had an exclusive interview with him, and he was great. Uh, you know, we asked him some uh, challenging questions. Uh, he was very open. He was uh, appreciative to to talk to us, and and uh, uh, you know, we've 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 seen. And I asked him, we, we've seen uh, the the two kind of types of of coaches prior to him, head coaches. Uh, and in Sylvain Lefebvre and Donald Dufresne, we had teachers, excellent teachers who focused on uh, th- teaching the prospects. Uh, they, they weren't very, their teams weren't very good at winning. And on the other extreme, we had Joe Bouchard, uh, not necessarily a natural teacher, focused fully on winning. Um, and uh, we saw how that ended up and, and um, um, the Canadians parting ways with him. So... Uh, we listen to his answer at the press zone Montreal because it's fascinating and uh, might be a, uh, the perfect balance uh, and 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 uh, recognizes at least uh, the kind of job unique job that he has coaching in the AHL
2: and a new episode will be uh, dropping on Tuesday with uh, with yourself and Amy all right let's move on now back to the Montreal Canadiens and one of the storylines that we had at a training camp was on was on defense one we already spoke about like Shea Weber and his absence on how that will impact the, the defensive core and then it was also the the absence of uh, Joel Edmondson who's been who started off as day-to-day week to week so who knows when he's coming back right now they told us another two weeks but we'll see uh, how long that ends up so on the first pairing with Jeff Petrie so so Joel Edmondson was Jeff Petrie's D partner for most of last season, throughout the the playoff run as well. And what we saw in the first two games of the season, Brett Kulak got that uh, opportunity. And uh, let's hear what uh, what he had to say about uh, that chance.
3: Yeah, it's funny how it works out. You know, the a lot of good players come to camp, and everyone's battling for positions and. Yeah, it's nice to, uh, anytime you can play on the top pairing, it's a, a good opportunity to, you know, do what you can and help the team. And at the end of the day, the main goal is just to win hockey games. So whatever role you got to take on and you just uh, take it and make the best of it. So that's kind of my mindset going into the season now.
1: I like Brett Kulak. We've interviewed him before and he's always very positive uh, and takes on whatever challenge uh, he's given. Uh, he's played with uh, Jeff Petrie before, so there's a f- familiarity. But it wasn't on the first pairing, and and obviously uh, when you're when you're uh, making up the lineup, uh, Brett Kulak on your first pairing uh, is not ideal. And uh, but he's he's approached it uh, as best as he can, and and uh, contribute the way he can. Uh, but already we've seen uh,
2: a change uh, in that structure at uh, practice this morning. Yeah, so Alex Romanov will get, uh, at least based on practice, it looks like Alex Romanov will get the opportunity to play with uh, Jeff Petrie tonight, and Brett Kulak will drop to the third pairing uh, with uh, with Chris Weidman. So the pairing of Ben Sharot and uh, David Savard will remain intact. And I'm wondering how much this away... Uh, the fact that they're playing at home now influenced the coach's decision on um, on changing his pairings. But I don't know. So where do you think? Do you think there's a better fit, Rick Romanov, with uh, with Petrie than than Kulak? Um, no, I don't. Um,
1: uh, they don't necessarily have the chemistry that that Kulak and uh, and Peter have. Um, but maybe, uh, and and, and uh, you know, they're both they both can be puck movers. Uh, so so we know that the Canadians have been spending too much time in their own zone. Maybe that's the thought there is uh, to move the puck, puck quicker out of their own defensive zone. Um, Jeff Petrie doesn't play physically um, and neither does Brett Kulak. So maybe adding a physical element in, in Alex Romanoff will help that uh, top pairing playing against the, the top forwards. Um, but uh, you know, Romanoff is a wild card and, and uh he can play really effectively, and he can, uh, he can wander and, and, uh, and look bad, and all that can happen, uh, you know, in the same period of hockey. So um, he's got a lot to learn yet, and, and uh, this will be a challenge for him, but um, good on uh, Dom Ducharme for giving him the opportunity to uh, take that spot for now until uh, Joel Edmondson returns.
2: Yeah, and I know on on Thursday against the Sabers, like none of the team looked good. But that third pairing there of Romanov and Weidman, I don't know. Like I, it was I was nervous every time looking whenever they they played together. Yeah. So we'll see if this is also some kind of attempt to um, to fix that third pairing as well to separate Romanov from uh, from Weidman. Uh, heading into training camp like i've've I I've, I've voiced it on this podcast or in uh, in uh, the Habs notepad as well is that the center line is one that I've been concerned about even before like the me offer sheet and while in training camp the the battle that was open there was for the number three and number four center positions so so Jake Evans he has that number three center spot and while on the, the fourth, Line center position, uh, Cedric Paquette got the the first opportunity in that role. And well, tonight he'll be there for the third consecutive game. And well, let's hear what he had to say about uh, his chance playing on that fourth line.
4: Well, I mean, I think I've said it before, I just want to play a play hard game, um, simple game,
1: uh, bring physicality. Um, Experience, I think uh, I, I can play both wing center, like like we said. Um, I'm a good PK guy. If uh, they asked me to go on the PK, I think I could do the job. So um, that's it. He does have experience. Uh, I'll agree with him there. Um, and he's he's he is has been in the past a physical player. We haven't seen that that yet. Um, he has been uh, a player who can play the penalty kill. Not very effective there so far. Um, and listen, he he had a groin injury and uh, only played one preseason game. Um, for your fourth line, you you, you know you want um, you want to at least uh, be able to win faceoffs and and have puck possession and uh, and 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 tire out and, and and have an energy shift. But you can't play that you can't play that way when you don't have the puck. And uh, Cedric Paquette has been. I, you know, there's no other word than awful at the faceoff dot, uh, 22%, I believe in his one, uh, preseason game. And so far, uh, in the two, uh, regular season games, he's won just two of 13 faceoffs for 15%. Uh, that's, that's not going to do it. That's really not going to cut it. Uh, the other problem is that, um, he took a, a bad penalty. It was an offensive zone penalty, an unnecessary penalty uh, in that game against the Sabres, and the Sabres opened the scoring uh, uh, on the power play, and, and that's kind of set the tone for the game. So Cedric Paquette is, is not, uh, not been earning that, that role on the fourth line center, uh, at least what we've seen so far.
2: No, you're right. He hasn't had a good start to the to uh, the season, so there's still it's curious how long will uh, what kind of a rope will he will he get uh, puckett before any changes are made. Like you know, will we see him slide uh, Machipiro down the middle? Will we see Adam Brooks coming up? Will we see a recall? Well, it all depends. But uh, I don't think he'll be too much uh, much more patient, Dominic Ducharme, with uh, with that fourth line center. Uh, let's move on now with a couple of uh, news and notes from around uh, the league. On uh, Thursday night, in their second game of franchise history, the Seattle Kraken finally recorded their first win. They beat the Predators Rick by a score of four to uh, four to three.
1: Congratulations to uh, the Kraken, um, and uh, they're uh, expected to be, by many of the uh, hockey pundits, uh, a playoff team. So. Uh, off to a, a one-on-one start, and we'll see how that goes uh, for them.
2: And and also, uh, out of Columbus, um, Columbus, um, the Blue Jackets goaltender Elvis Merzlikins honored his late teammate, teammate, Mattis uh, by wearing jersey number 80 in the, the team season opener, and we also there was also a clip circulating on the internet, uh, online I should say, from Tortorella as well, of uh, of homage to the uh, the late uh, the, the, the late Columbus Blue Jacket player. Yeah, Matisse
1: uh, Kiv's Len- Kiv Lennox, uh died tragically uh, in a fireworks accident um, uh, the the July long weekend in in the U.S. Uh, a goaltender, good friend of and countryman uh, from Latvia of of uh, Elvis Merzlikens. and uh, Merzlikens was obviously uh, really uh, devastated by the the tragedy uh, that uh, he said that Kiv Lennox uh, protected um, his wife uh, who was pregnant at the time and and uh, from the fireworks and and uh, they named I believe they the second name of their son was uh, Matisse so. Uh, this, is, this is something they, that they will honor uh, Kiv Lennox. There's an 80 behind the, uh, the goal um, in, uh, in Columbus Nationwide Arena, and they also raised a number 80 banner to uh, the Raptors, and that uh, will be there for uh, this season. Um, a, 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 a difficult tragedy, but, but really touching the way the, the Columbus Blue Jackets are dealing with it.
2: In another um, another news now, uh, we're gonna look at a couple of former Montreal Canadiens made their debut with, in their uh, with their new clubs on uh, on Thursday. Actually, both of them, uh, Carolina Hurricanes forward Jesper Kottianemi, still fear, feels weird saying that Hurricanes forward Jesper Kottianemi. Well, wow. okay, he played left wing on uh, Carolina's top line, and uh, Carolina ended up winning that game six to three against the uh, New York Islanders. In 11:47 minutes of uh, ice time, Jesperi Kotkiniemi took a 2 shots in goal and finished the night at uh, minus one.
1: Two two uh, former Canadians on that top line with uh, Carolina: Sebastian Aho and Jesperi um, uh With <laughs> uh, with net cash, uh, fun for for because uh, he got to participate in his very first storm surge after uh, the the home win.
2: And, and later that night, former Montreal Canadian Philip Dano, there's something that uh, I'm not used to saying that yet, uh, he made his debut in the Los Angeles Kings uh, jersey and the Kings won 6-2 to two against the uh, Golden Knights on uh, Thursday night in the uh, in night game he played 17-31 took two shots on goal scored one goal which ended up being the game winning goal as well so he finished a, a plus one and went in the f- 8 for 18 in the face off circle at uh, 44% it seems like a Rick LaCriada-Bizarro like, night. Dano scored, and he did, wasn't going to face off. <laughs> Complete opposite of what he was doing in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll expect Dano to score
1: uh, next uh, in game 79-80 if, if the past is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's expected to have a more offensive role in, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, Kopitar was very good as well. And so maybe Dano being there for some defensive assignments will free up uh, Kopitar uh, to be uh, more offensive. Good luck to uh, both K- Kaki and Dano uh, this season, uh, of course, except when they face the Montreal Canadiens.
2: Yeah, and that's coming up soon, actually, for both of them. Uh, before the end of the month, I think, for both of them. But uh, those two names will definitely be talked around the Canadiens, especially this year. So They'll be compared to anything and anybody and their, their numbers will be twisted in the favor of whatever side of this other story you're on. That's how, it always, uh, that's how it always works. All right, it's time to take our first break here on the Canadians uh, Connection podcast. Coming up next in our big topic segment, we're going to have our Habs season predictions. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed – Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down a dollar on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: All right, welcome back to Canadians Connection Podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. We're also part of the uh, Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Chris Jean. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and the founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. And you can follow him on Twitter at uh, AllHabs. And don't forget, you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Insta- Instagram. Again, that word, Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast on your favorite podcast uh, player. So this is my fun part of, of, of the show. This is what I like to do. I like to make predictions. And while you could, you could take our predictions, mostly mine, all of mine, and go to DraftKings and make your predictions and your bets uh, accordingly. To and, what you're going to hear in this next uh, segment, and any
1: of my predictions that agree with you, uh, is that is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, when you agree with me, you're right. Okay, that's how that's how it works. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I thought. All right. Yeah, and then for the ones that we that that uh, I'll get wrong, I have plenty of time to come up with good excuses on why <laughs> they went wrong, and some somehow blame you for it. That's how that's how it works.
1: Uh, how, uh, yeah, I remember that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna have some fun with this uh, with this segment. Uh, some fun. We're gonna record these predictions, and you know, at the end of the year, well, we're gonna circle back on these. So the first category we're gonna look at is goal scoring. So who will score the most goals for the Montreal Canadiens? We know the Canadiens have a lot of, uh, I guess, players susceptible of scoring. You know, there's Tyler Toffoli, there's Cole Caulfield, there's Mike Hoffman. And, well, I think I'm going to play the odds on this one. I think I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Tofoli. I think he'll score the most goals on the team. Last year, he scored 28 goals in 50-odd games. Uh, I, I don't think he'll keep up at that pace. If he scores 28 goals in 82-game season, I think it'll still, it'll still be a good year for, for Tyler Tofoli. but I'm going to stick with Tofoli as my pick.
1: Well, you can take it to the bank because I'm going to agree with you on this one. Tyler Toffoli, and as you said, he won't be as uh, productive, as prolific as in the gold storing department as uh, he was last season. His uh, pace will reduce, but uh, he'll still be he'll still be uh, up there when it comes to, at the end of the season, to the Canadian's top gold store. So next, let's move on to
2: the next category. So Rick, I don't want you to... To copy all my response, because I, I know you're trying to bat 1,000 here. So the next category will be who will finish the team's uh, leading point score. Well, we said that he would grow into the role. Uh,
1: he'd grow into that contract. But I think Nick Suzuki uh, is going to be... I, I struggle with this one a, a little bit, because um, I think that the Canadians' offense is going to be... Uh, I I hope the Canadians offense is going to be more productive than we've seen in the first two games, but I I think it's going to be more distributed than it has been in the past. So I think it's going to be spread around and, and you know, the goal scoring is, as you said, going to come from a Caulfield or Toffoli or uh, Brennan Gallagher, Mike Hoffman, um, um, even Dvorak and and Josh Anderson is going to to chip in. But, and so that's, that's what makes the points uh, prediction a little bit tougher. And I, I had considered uh, Jeff Petrie, who I think is going to play uh, a big role in uh, the Canadiens' offense, both 5-on-5 five five and at the power play. Uh, but I think that, that Nick Suzuki is just going to uh, eke him out and, and, uh, and, and be the points leader for the team. He's going to uh, grow into that role and take, take that on as the season goes on.
2: All right, so um, I'm going to go off the board here. My real response was Nick Suzuki, but since you said it, I know <laughs> you'll be wrong, so i have to go with somebody different. All right. So I'm going to change it up here. So I'm going to change my original Nick Suzuki draft pick. I'm going to go off the board, and I'm going to go with uh, Christian Dvorak. Okay. It'll be a, a, a bit of a surprise over here. He he, he plays on a power play. Uh, I, I think he'll... He will end up being on the number one power play unit because of the, at least of the early struggles that they're having on the faceoff circle, he plays on the penalty kill, uh, he, top six responsibilities. Uh, so I'm gonna. So I think he has a good chance of finishing uh, the team's point getter. I also did consider Jeff Petrie, as well, but I I decided not to go with him for. Uh, I'll leave that for a, a later category on why. All right, let's go to the next category. Who is most likely to be the first recall from Laval? Uh, so Rick probably should have asked you this before before we started the show, but how do you want to do this? Do you want to do this one player regardless of position, or are we splitting this up by forwards and defensemen? How do you want to tackle this?
1: Uh, let, let's do, let's do uh, the most likely and uh, with some honorable mentions.
2: Okay, so most likely at uh, f- with any position, the easy answer to this, uh, I think, is Ryan Paling, But it's not my final answer. Because for center, I think the Canadians have, well, sorry, Dominic Ducharme feels that he, he has other options first. Like there's Mathieu Perrault. There's uh, Adam Brooks that will probably give a chance to before then. Uh, we heard uh, Ducharme before the start of training camp said that if Dvorak wasn't a Canadian, well, you know, maybe Jonathan Drouin would have been playing at center. Mm. So I think the the first recall, I'm going to go with Xavier Ouellette on defense. All right. Um,
1: I'm, I'm just going to uh, approach this, uh, with, uh, an Occam's razor kind of mindset. The simplest answer is the best answer. Um, the most obvious answer, and that's Ryan Paling. I think Ryan Paling is going to play so well that in Laval, that, uh, the Canadians will be forced to bring him up. And once he comes up, he won't be sent back down. And, and that might come at the expense of, um, you know, Alex Belzeal. It's, uh, it's a lovely story. Uh, and uh, him, you know, this, uh, hum, hundreds of games at the ECHL level, and and coming up to the AHL, and and uh, starting the season on the twenty-three man roster, and and uh, you had even the premier uh, taking note that there were uh, six Quebecers uh, in in the opening. Um, Francois Lagos had uh, six Quebecers with Alex Belziel. so he made special mention of that. <laughs> And now that the Canadians have got their mileage out of that, uh, probably best uh, for Alex Belfield to go back to Laval, um, and so I think it's going to be Ryan Paling, the a fan favorite. I mean, you know the the Canadians like to um, generate some buzz uh, with their call ups. Sometimes uh, the shiny bauble, if the, if they were on a, a, a fan pleaser, a crowd pleaser. Uh, that would certainly be Michael Pozzetta based on the, uh, the way he played in, in the preseason. Not, not the right move from a hockey perspective, but uh, it would be fun nonetheless. Uh, a less spectacular move would be Lucas Videmo. Um, and he has some experience, and I think he could, if they need someone for the, the fourth line, he can uh, fit in it anywhere. Uh, the other name that, that uh, fans will be thinking is Caden Primo. Uh, but regardless of how the goaltending performs, we really want to see Caden Primo in Laval take that net, get a lot of games, and as Stefan Waite said, uh, get closer to the hundred or 150 games that he needs before he'd be ready to have a full time gig in the, the NHL.
2: Yeah, I think though, like if Montebos' next start goes the way that his first one did, that they'll be tempted to uh to recall primo to help out so so primo is also on on my list as normal mentioned as well but i just think uh, another move will come before then all right so the next uh next category will be the player who is most likely to be traded so rick what what's your answer on this one
1: well, we talked about defense, and we talked about um, you know, how it's 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 not it's not looking very good uh, to begin with. So uh, it seems crazy uh, to trade a defenseman. Uh, but that would come if the Canadians aren't having a good season and uh, you know, that that teams come knocking and looking for someone. Who can help their defensive core uh, for playoff type hockey, and that defenseman would be Ben Sherat He probably has uh, a good amount of value for a team that's uh, going to the playoffs. We saw what he did um, with Shea Weber uh, last year's playoffs. Um, things have 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 changed to start the season with respect to the cross-checking rule, but that will uh, that will wind back, and and uh, Ben Sherat will be able to be an effective defenseman uh, for uh, the end of this regular season, the playoff run, and um, and into the playoffs. So I expect he will be the first uh, player traded for the Canadians.
2: Um, I, I agree that I think Ben Charrot at one point will be traded, but I, I don't think he'll be the first player to be traded from uh, from the Canadians. I'm I'm thinking the Canadians are gonna want to make room up front from the forward groups. When Paul Byron comes back, when Mike Hoffman comes back, and then like you mentioned earlier, if Ryan Ryan Paling is playing well in Laval and they want to call him up as well. That's a lot of forwards up there. so so they'll have to make they'll have to make room uh, for all these players back in the lineup. Canadians have a lot of forwards. So I think one of the forwards will move. Coming up with a name of which forward will move, <laughs> that's the tough part. Um, right now, I'm leaning towards Arturi Lekonin. Uh, that's the name that I'm gonna throw out there that uh, th- that I think he's a, he's a good player. he He delivers the, the the kind of things that you don't see on the score sheet. He has a good cap it. He's still a restricted free agent. I think the Canadians could get something decent, something that very that it could be something valuable they could get from Artur Leclerc. Because, you know, I could have said Cedric Paquette, Perot, but what do you get for those type of players? You didn't get nothing. You'll get uh, future considerations for her for those type of players. So I'm going a little bit off the board here. I think it's a forward like that... Um, that uh, will will be traded by the Canadiens before uh, Ben on defense.
1: What about if uh, a team comes knocking looking for Yoel Armia? Yoel um, Armia was very good in in the playoffs, uh, tied for second, I think, in in uh, in goals in the playoffs. And uh, today um, at uh, the game day st- skate, we saw that uh, Armia and Toffoli were flip flopped. Uh, Toffoli to the third line with Evans and Gallagher. And Yoel Armia up on the top line uh, to retrieve the puck and and uh, to add some size to that top line with Suzuki, and, Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, what do you think about Yoel Armia?
2: I think that's a good option as well because like a, a team that uh, that's high on him that likes him, they won't be afraid from the four years, like including this year like the the four-year contract that he has that's three point four million. it's a very respectable cap it, so it's a good. It's a good option as uh, as well. I tell the contract he becomes your face. So I think that's that's a good option as well. Because Canadians have a lot of right wingers as well. Well, and I'm saying that, but they're playing Leckon on the right wing. But um, it's it's another good option as well. So we'll we'll see. But I'm I'm thinking the room will have to be made up front for uh, for the Canadians. Uh, Next category is, will the Canadians make any late season additions? Um, Go ahead. Is that mine
1: first? Okay. Um, I'm going to say, and kind of an obvious one, defenseman Jordan Harris. If, If the Canadians are giving up a defenseman, in Ben Chirot, they're going to need somebody to come in. Uh, Jordan Harris is at Northeastern University. He's actually the, the captain of Northeastern uh, this year. And we know that last year when um, at the end of the college season that Mark Bergevin invited two players, uh, Cole Caulfield uh, to come from Wisconsin uh, and join the team, which he did, and Jordan Harris – Um, and, uh, and at the time Harris declined, uh, the Canadians offer and, uh, and said that, no, he wanted to finish out the season and go back to, uh, Northeastern for his senior year and to, uh, be captain, um, and hopefully to go to the, the frozen four. So, um, it makes sense. Um, the the Northeastern Hus- Huskies once uh, his season's done for Jordan Harris to be added to the Canadians lineup.
2: I'm going to play the odds here and say yes. <laughs> okay. That they will make any late late season additions, that uh, regardless of what happened. Like it it also depends if they're. If, if the Canadians will be buyers or sellers towards the end of the season, which I guess we could transition to, the, to our next question was, will the Canadians make the, the playoffs? So so the answer to that, will the Canadians make the playoffs? To me, the answer is no, that they're not going to make the, the playoffs. I think there there's too many. Um, Shea, Shea Weber's absence for the, for the entire season you know, carry prices out for uh, at least uh, a month, but but who knows if it will be longer and if yes, how much longer? You know, uh, Mike Hoffman, who was supposed to come in and help the power play, like he has not even had training camp with his teammates yet. He, he's in a brand new team. He hasn't. He'll have to adjust as well. Have to they're gonna have to find a new line for him, a line that works. Uh, there's Joel Edmondson. Who's injured as well? For who knows for uh, for how long? There's a, a general manager who doesn't have a contract, so that's another distraction off the ice as well. There's just the Kings being a tough division with other good teams as well that makes it tough. So I think there's there's too many things going on with Montreal that that they won't make the, the the playoffs. And yes, they're off to an 0-2 start as well. And I'm taking the odds, according to SportsClubStats.com, that they won't make the playoffs. So back to the previous question, will there be any late-season late, late season additions? I think if, considering that, I think the, the Canadians will be sellers at a trade deadline. Any additions that there would be? It would be players, like you mentioned, like Jordan Harris coming to uh, to join a team. So all that long answer, Rick, to tell you the Canadians won't make the playoffs.
1: And I'll agree with you. Uh, Sports Club Stats says 29%. Uh, the Athletics says the Canadians have a 23% chance of of making the playoffs. And listen, it was going to be tough for the Canadians to make the playoffs before the news of, of Carey Price uh, was announced. And with Carey Price missing the month of... of uh, October and and possibly longer. Um, the Canadians, if they get off to a, a poor start, that's that's a tough hole to dig out of, uh, especially in the era of the uh, the bonus point. Um, it's it it's it's a lot of things as as you said, uh, but particularly. The leadership, um, Carey Price, not only provides the goaltending and and uh, he provides the leadership and and some of that stability and 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 makes players better. Carried the team to to the Stanley Cup um, final along with Shea Weber, uh, who provided um, you know just rock solid leadership. Um, and, and add to that, Corey Perry not being around, Eric Stoll not being around. Um, it's going to be, I think, a difficult season um, for, for the Canadians, the uncertainty um, in, the, in the, the, the front office, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a monumental challenge uh, for the Canadians to make the playoffs uh, this season.
2: So our next prediction will be on who is most likely to have a disappointing season. So Rick, why don't you start us off with that? I,
1: I don't want to answer this question. I really don't. Uh, but in my gut, and and um, I should say that uh loved Jake Evans, loved him when he was at Notre Dame, loved him when he was in Laval, and I want... I want I wanted Jake Evans to have, uh, you know, to, to have that third uh, center spot on the third line. And I want him to succeed with, with, uh, you know, all my best wishes for him. I'm just concerned um, about the injuries. And, and we saw uh, how his season ended, uh, how, how things happened last year. He's, he's into his fourth concussion. We saw him hit, Hard in the preseason, um, and and he, to be honest, he didn't have a very good preseason. Um, I think that, uh, and I, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but I think that Jake Evans will be uh, disappointed in how this this season turns out.
2: The. Yeah, I don't know. if, if Saying that's a good, cho- that's a good choice because, like you said, it's <laughs> it's a kind of tough, no. difficult question to uh, to answer. So, um, and also for Jake Evans, it's also like the role that he's in. Uh, Jake Evans right now, like, he he shouldn't be a third line center. He's more of a fourth line center, and those type of responsibilities. And we we're even gonna see him uh, against the Rangers on Saturday night. He's gonna play with. Uh, Tyler Toffoli to his left and Brendan Gallagher to his right uh, Toffoli is a goal scorer Gallagher, you know, he scored 30 goals uh, several times so his expectation of that line now to, to go out there and produce the, the answer out of that I would assume is yes and then it's Jake Evans right centre for, for them in that kind of role so so I don't think his, his role as a number 3 centre is going to help him either to have a, uh, to have a good season uh, I had three names in uh, in mind. I was hoping you choose one of them, so like that, my list goes down to two. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm going with um, my my answer would be uh, David Savard uh, as my pick for us for to have a disappointing season. And I think that's because the expectations are high for him. Uh, we heard Dominic Ducharme. We've heard uh, Mark Bergerin, who said that uh, Savard can play Shea Weber minutes. And I think expectations of him will be that he plays the same shutdown role like Shea Weber does. And he's in a new team. He's... Um, He he wasn't, he's not off to a great start. Like none of the, I think on defense in general, they're not off to a good start. So I I think he's, I think we'll we'll be left in our appetite, like they say, at the end of the season. And we'll have concerns of that contract as well if he signed with the Canadians.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. He was, uh, I was debating between the two of them. And uh, and, and it's about expectations. I think that, that David Savard is on the decline. Uh, and he was uh, in Columbus. When he moved to Tampa, they were able to use him in a limited role in, um, you know, 13, 14 minutes, third pairing uh, with Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, and and to ex- expect that he's going to take the minutes and eat the minutes that... that uh, um, that Shea Weber had, I think that's beyond him right now at this stage in his career. Plus, he said he's really struggling that the Canadians play a different defensive system than he's used to, and and he's had trouble during with that during the the preseason. Uh, hopefully, that that uh, you know he's he's got a lot of experience that that he should be able to get over. Uh, but maybe the expectations there are uh, a bit high for him.
2: So it kind of reminds me of, an, of another defenseman Canadians had signed as a free agent <laughs> that had the similar words. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I won't mention who the other two players were on my list because I don't want to jinx them because I know my predictions will be right. So if I if, if I add the other two players, well, I'm going to jinx them to have a bad season. So right. I wouldn't want to do that. All right. Next question that we have is, will Cole Caulfield have a uh, Calder winning season? Um. So I'm going to play the odds here and say no that uh, he he won't win uh, the Calder, but I think he has a chance of being in the conversation of uh, of a Calder. So maybe like a like a, a nominee for it, like in, in top five, etc. I think that, I think that's possible because he's going to play on the power play. He's going to get a lot of five-on-five uh, five time as as well. So I think he definitely has a chance and. Even the, the hockey news predicted him as a key. They, they, he was projected the Canaan's leading scorer for Cole Caulfield on the, the hockey news, which was found a little bit odd. So, um, so that's my answer. I think he'll he'll be in the conversation, but he won't win the award. I'm going to differ with you here. I'm going
1: to say Cole Caulfield will win the Cal- Calder as best rookie. Um, he's not going to get to those lofty projections. I'm talking about him scoring 30 or 40 He's not going to get there, but he's still going to be very effective for the Canadians, uh, scoring maybe 25 goals. Um, Cole Caulfield set his sights when the when the season began last year on winning the Kobe Baker. He did that, uh, and and got to uh, got promoted to uh, the National Hockey League. Um, he he's very focused. He's very driven. He he's used to getting his way. Uh, now that said, uh, there are lots of, lots and lots of uh, very good rookies uh, in the conversation. And uh, I like Trevor uh, Zegras with, um, with the Anaheim Ducks. We remember that it was Trevor Zegras who tweeted that um, Cole Caulfield would score 40 this year. Uh, there's Spencer Knight, uh, goaltender, um, uh, rookie goaltender with Florida, Quinton Byfield. Uh, injured now, uh, but in in Los Angeles, Lucas Raymond in Detroit, Nick Robertson in Toronto, Marit Sider um, in Detroit, uh, Jamie Drysdale is another one. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of names in the mix. Um, but I'm gonna I'm I, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say Cole Caulfield will win the Calder.
2: All right. Well, I hope you're right, but you know what the other of that is. <laughs> All right, let's go to our to our our, our last uh prediction and this is about the Canadian's general manager Mark Bergevin. Will he, he sign a contract extension? So Nick uh, Nick uh, Rick, what's your mind on? Uh
1: no, he won't. Um something's happening there and um for uh there to be such radio silence for uh, Jeff Molson, not to make a, a usual uh, season opening uh, a press conference, he usually does at the golf tournament. There wasn't a golf tournament. Uh, but but he, he still should have been expected to meet the media at the beginning of the season. He didn't. Uh, Mark Bergevin, as we mentioned earlier, not being there for uh, Nick Suzuki's uh, uh, m- enormous deal, uh, franchise-precedented uh, deal. Uh, is telling um, so no I don't I don't think that I think partly it's uh, Mark Bergevin is is tired he's he's worn um, he's set a, a high price and uh, uh, Jeff Molson uh, probably has a, a name in mind uh, and he wants to go in a different direction so things could change I mean it's a long season and they they could patch things up and they they could work things out and and maybe even Mark Bergevin will be you know, promoted into a, a, a president of hockey operations kind of role. But uh, at this point, the way the the relationship is between the two of them, I don't think, no, he's not going to come back as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens.
2: I think so. I, I agree with you as well that uh, the answer that would be is, is no for the reasons you mentioned above. And and who knows, like if we take a step back and we look even at the Canadians recent playoff run, when the series was three one for Toronto in round one, if Leafs win that series in four and sorry, in game five or in game six or whatever, Canadians are eliminated after round one. At that time was Molson considering making a change at that time. So at that time, yes. at the end of that season at the end of that season, like the Canadians coaching staff, like nobody had a contract in Laval. Nobody had a like the, the coaching staff. None of them had a had a contract at that time. Uh, Mark Bradsherans, you know, final contract was the final year and everything. So, at, so then did the so then they went on this run. And did that put make Jeff Molson, you know, start thinking otherwise? Am I going to another direction? And then the the, the then the Canadians a disastrous off season started. We we saw after the 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 controversial first round draft pick, Jeff Molson came out and spoke and said it was a mistake. So you know, is that you know he went against basically he didn't defend the general manager. He said it was an error that he made. And since then, like we haven't seen them together, uh, both of them. Uh, you know, we could say, you know, not we, the Canadians could say that it's because of the COVID. That that's why there was no press conference at the golf tournament. But there's been requests made by the media to speak to Jeff Mosel, and he's re- refused. Uh, he's refused all of them. So uh, there's there's really something going on between them. So I don't think uh, I don't think that's going to happen. No,
1: and I think it's a really good point to go back to. Uh, that the, 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 uh... The, the, that moment when the, the Canadians were down 3-1 to to Toronto, if Toronto wins uh, and wins that series, uh, you're right. I don't think Mark Bergevin, well, it was widely talked about, uh, especially in in the French media, that uh, Bergevin wouldn't be back and Descharmes wouldn't be back. Because uh, up to that point, Descharmes really hadn't done, you know, it was kind of a shaky start to to his regular season and an 18th place finish for the Canadians uh, so I think that there was, uh, Carey Price, uh, coming to the, the rescue, uh, he, he actually saved a, a few jobs there and, 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 um, and one of them was making, um, uh, Dominic Ducharme the permanent head coach. Um, so this is, this is, as you said, been brewing for some time and, uh, unless there's something, uh, drastic that happens during the season, I don't expect him to be back as general manager.
2: Yeah, so, so and then after, you know, the next, begs the next question, like if he's not an next manager, so when when he signed like Nick Suzuki, did he need Jeff Molson's approval to, to sign that kind of deal? Yeah. Does Jeff Molson still trust him enough to make all these deals? And we've been talking about trades early on, about Ben Charot or whatever, like any name they would have thrown out there. If Berger is coming back next year, like who's, is he still calling the shots? Does Jeff Molson still let him call all the shots? Is there anybody in the background kind of consulting? or So it's um, it, it's quite messy. It's, it's quite, it will be a distraction. Mark Bergevin, when he came out and when he was talking about for Carey Price and he got to ask a couple of questions, he said that, you know, he's going to honour his contract. He's going to do his job like he will. But it's, I think it's a lot more complicated than, than than that. It's it's a lot more
1: complicated. And Matthias Brunet wrote about it this week and, and gave the example of sure, a Mark Bergevin going to do his job. Sure. He's, um, you know, he's going to be as competent as, as he wants to be. But, uh, if a trade is to be made in the, uh, during the season, um, if Mark Bergevin is returning, he's not trading, a uh, uh, a Jordan Harris, uh, instead he'll trade a Gianni Fairbrother. If he's not coming back, um, you know, maybe he trades that Jordan Harris and, and, uh, yeah. and, and keeps Fairbrother. It was, I think it was, um, a, a very good example of, of, uh, how, it, you know, sometimes these things, uh, happen, um, kind of, uh, subconsciously, um, and, uh, and it's going to be an interesting season for sure, uh, to watch that play out. Yeah.
2: All right, we're gonna take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Hope you enjoyed our little predictions that we made here, and you know we'll definitely come back to them uh, later in in the season, and I'll be able to make fun of Rick for the picks that he made wrong. But meanwhile, when we come back, we'll talk to you about what to expect this coming week. Stay with us, listen to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio.
0: The Canadian's Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com.
2: All right, welcome back to episode 159 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Haps Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So you just listened to our previous segment where we made our uh, little predictions on various questions. And while, you know, you could chime in as well with your predictions. Do you you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, Are you going to be on the winning side and put your money on my picks or, you know... You have a couple dollars to donate and uh, pick, uh, make Rick's selections as well, and you can do that via Twitter. You know, either on the Habs Connection Twitter account, uh, All Habs. You could visit also the uh, All Habs Facebook uh, page, which celebrated uh, a milestone that we could talk about in a second, and uh, also reach us via the uh, Rocket Sports text line at uh, five eight five three Rocket. But Rick why don't you tell us about a recent milestone on the Facebook page.
1: If you go to Facebook, if you're a Facebook user, go to facebook.com slash allhabs, And you'll see a, a very active community there of um, mostly Habs fans, but uh, we have fans from uh, other teams join us uh, as well. And uh, we just went over the 50,000 uh, uh, fan mark. Uh, more than 50,000 fans have uh, now liked the page uh, and, uh, and comment and, and get involved. Um, we had, uh, more than a half a million interactions, uh, um, uh, in the preseason. Uh, and so if you're a Habs fan, if you're a passionate Habs fan, if you have something to say, if you have a comment, if you want to react to the posts that we put up there, uh, go to facebook.com slash all and join more than 40, uh, 50,000, um, Montreal Canadiens fans.
2: Uh, and every Monday morning on the Facebook page and on the other social media platforms, you'll see Habs Notepad written by uh, myself that gets published early Monday morning. And on the rest of the week, you'll see the the Habs uh, headlines, game recaps, uh, full Canadians cover of, uh, on uh, allhabs.net and all the social media platforms. And we'll also see the Habs fan forum, Rick, that uh, Ben uh, produces, well, sorry, that Ben publishes every week. Ben, uh, Ben records them. Amy
1: uh, produces them, and and uh, there. If you go to our YouTube account, YouTube.com/slash AllHabs, you'll see uh, a weekly post from Ben. Uh, usually around eight minutes or so, um, and uh, and from a fan perspective, he talks about current issues, and the the latest is uh, the Canadians getting back to 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 business. And if you see the uh, that photo, that, the screenshot that accompanies uh, the, uh, the video, you'll know Ben's feelings about uh, the Canadians getting back to business and, and the uh, results from their first two games.
2: And, and speaking of v- videos, uh, there was a, quite a, uh, an ad that was circulating on social media this week of Alex Romanov in, uh, in an ad and it was was quite the ad like he's speaking french and the first time i listened to that uh, that i heard that commercial i didn't pick up that he was speaking french it was when I read that they're saying, oh, look, Romanov's speaking French in his commercial. And I'm like, oh, wait. So then I had to listen to it a second time, and that's when I picked up it. Oh, yeah, he's actually speaking French. So it's uh, it was a fun way to see uh, Romanov, and it kind of matches his uh, personality as well. For sure. Uh,
1: and, you know, if if you're a gamer, uh, this is a big week for you. NHL 22 is out uh, and, uh, and, uh, and and completely re-engineered and is a great game. Uh, and maybe your, your Canadians will do much better on NHL 22 than, than they're, they're doing so far. Uh, but the other game uh, that came out is Far Cry 6. Uh, of course, uh, the Ubisoft people from um, both uh, Montreal and Toronto were involved in uh, the, the building of that game. Uh, and Alex Romanov doing a, uh, a commercial for them. Uh, his agent, when he put it out, called Alex the Czar. Uh, which I think is is pretty good. And and when I first heard it, you're, uh, I thought, wait a minute, that's not Russian. Um, but yes, it it took a listener or to, to to decide that it was it was French. But he's he's um, fantastic in it. Um, he says that he's he's uh, he's going to be bold uh, when he plays the game, and and certainly that's the way he plays on the ice as well.
2: And in former Montreal Canadiens news. Uh, Craig Pattern was just placed uh, on waivers today by the uh, by the Anaheim Ducks. So we always like to keep connections here with uh, with former Montreal Canadiens. For sure. Uh, let's take a look. The Canadiens have at uh, the Canadiens upcoming week. It starts off uh, tonight. Canadiens' regular season home opener. It's against the New York Rangers tonight. puck drop uh, will be a couple minutes past seven o'clock when um, after the opening ceremonies. Uh, We don't know yet if it will be a full building. We don't know if the Canaan sold out all the tickets. There are still tickets available, uh, you know, as of this morning. But for sure, it will be a lot more than 7,500 people. So it will be a loud building at the Bell Centre tonight. And then on Tuesdays, the uh, Sharks are in town. And then on Thursday, well, yes, Pericot, Canaan and the Carolina Hurricanes will be in uh, Montreal to play against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So another uh, three games for the Canadiens. And like we mentioned earlier in uh, the episode, a uh, must-win tonight again for the Canadiens against the New York Rangers or the season's over. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know (laughs) what I mean
1: um for each one of those games uh, at allhabs.net we have complete game previews and complete game recaps uh so head to allhabs.net and uh and take a look, get ready for the game with the previews, and then uh, we want to hear your comments, react to the game when the uh, recaps uh, come out. Um, we're, we're, we are we want to hear from you in, in any form, whether it's uh, commenting on the post itself or reaching out to us on our Rocket Sports text line, and that text line is 5853ROCKET. Uh, this week we had a text from a Maple Leafs fan on the Rocket Sports text line. And they were obviously happy with that uh, opening night uh, win. And uh, they sent us the, the Leafs uh, celebration song on our voicemail on 5853ROCKET. So, um, Canadians fans, we want to hear from you too. Uh, make sure to fill that line.
2: Rick, you opened the door now speaking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like this morning, it was reported that uh, Toronto will be signing Alex Bishop, to a amateur tryout because uh, Peter Mrazek, who, who got injured, uh, he won't be able to play tonight, and the Leafs don't have enough cap space to call up a goalie from uh-huh. the Marlies.
1: And the John Gibson watch starts because I don't think you're going uh, to the Stanley Cup final, which the Leafs want to do with uh, Mrazek and uh, Jack Campbell.
2: Yeah, so I'm assuming the Zamboni driver was kind of busy today, <laughs> so that's why they had to go to Alex Bishop. But just imagine if the Canadians had were in that kind of situation—forget about it. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> you opened the door for the Leafs, Rick. So I had to All throw right. that in there. All right, so so let's wrap it up because when you talk to the Leafs, it means it's time to wrap up the episode because this is when we talk about Leafs is when you start losing listeners <laughs> on our show. So Rick, another great week. A tremendous
1: week. And uh, we're going to be busy this week on both uh, the Press Zone Montreal and uh, watch for that new episode to drop on Tuesday. And then we'll be back here uh, next Saturday, October 23rd, with a brand new episode of uh, The Canadian's Connection, episode 160.
2: Yeah, and don't forget to subscribe to The Canadian's Connection on any of your favorite podcast players. And the same thing for our sister podcast, The uh, the Press Zone, uh, Montreal. So thank you everybody for listening. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Habs 360. Thank you for listening and we'll come back for and listen to our next episode of the Canadians Connection podcast.
0: Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadians.